Welcome to the Real Life English Podcast, where we help dedicated English learners just like you cultivate the courage, the confidence, and the skills that you need to understand real life native English, to communicate clearly with people from all around the world, and to make your life an epic global adventure. Now, are you ready to go beyond the classroom and start living your English? Can I get an aww, yeah? You already have a good level of English, you love the language, and now you want to become an English teacher. So, where do you start? Should you get any certifications? How do you get your first students? In today's episode, we answer these questions and more. Teaching English can be a wonderful career path for many people. So, keep listening to learn about how you can become a successful English teacher if that's what you desire. Yeah, boys and girls, citizens of the world, this is Ethan from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, convenient, and relaxing way to learn English. So download this podcast and listen to it while you're stuck in traffic, riding your bike, sea kayaking, or even jogging around the block. I'm joined here in the global studio by the one and only Axel Pose, <laughs> our very own Chiago. Slays it on the guitar. How's it going, Thiago? <laughs> hey, Ethan. Hey, everyone. Glad to be back. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. What does it mean if someone slays it on the guitar? You know, uh, I would say it's like you kill it, like you, you perform very well on it. Am I correct? Absolutely. Uh, and it's funny in English, we have several of these words like slay also. You'd say like you slay a beast or you slay a dragon. It's kind of a fantastical piece of vocabulary, that if you're reading different fantasy genre stories, you could see that. But we, yeah, it's like the same kind of thing. It means like to kill. Mm. And you can also say like, you killed it. You did it really well, or you're killing it with your English by listening to this podcast. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that in English, we use these different kind of aggressive or violent words to mean that someone did really well. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's amazing how uh, multiple meanings a word can have, right? How many multiple meanings, I mean. Most definitely. And like so much of it is, if you say either slay it or kill it, it's very colloquial English. So, you know, it's, it's kind of slang uses of those words. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how different uh, words in a language can evolve in that way. So... Very useful things to know if you're an English teacher, because students love learning about these different kinds of things. Or if you're an expiring teacher, then you might want to keep up to date on the vernacular of different countries. But before we get into talking all about teaching, which is what today's podcast is going to be all about, we have a shout out to a very special listener and app user. So the shout out today comes from... Eric Lima. And he says, Oh my God, this app is absolutely amazing. Lovely. Real conversations with so many people. I've been looking for an app like that for years. Thanks for creating this. I really appreciate it. Amazing. So thanks so much, Eric, for taking the time to leave us that five-star review. It's great that you are making many friends from around the world with the app. And dear listener, if you haven't checked it out yet, well, you can go give it a go. You can listen to this podcast with a full transcript, which might help you with your comprehension. And if you do enjoy it, then leave us a five-star review, just like Eric did, and we might shout you out as well. So before we get into today's lesson, all about how to become an English teacher yourself, we have the question of the day.
So uh, we have a little warm-up segment here to, you know, get us ready to talk about this topic, about becoming an English teacher. And uh, I would like to start with you, Ethan. Um, how long have you been a teacher? And what do you like most about teaching English? It's a good question. I've been teaching English for a little over 10 years, I believe. Actually, I started, like, informally tutoring. It was my first experience when uh, I was 21, studying abroad in Mallorca, and I uh, just helped out, like, tutoring some some kids, you know, to give them, uh, that their parents want to give them extra practice outside of school. And so it's like, uh, I remember my first experience, I, I really had no idea what to do. But since they tended to be pretty young, uh, like kids or adolescents, I would bring different games to play, like games that I enjoyed when I was their age and things like this to mm -hmm. try to make it fun for them. Um, but then from there, you know, I, I, I studied the TEFL certification, the Teaching English as a Foreign Language certification. And mm -hmm. after college, I moved to Brazil and, and actually got a proper job at an English school. And yeah, my, my teaching has evolved, obviously, a, a lot since then over, over the years. Uh, I think the thing I liked most about teaching was just like the relationship that I would develop with my students and really being able to watch them learn and grow. And um, I mean, one of the things I really liked doing in my classes too was to teach people things that, of course, would help them to improve their English, but that they could apply to other areas of their life. Mm -hmm. So, for example, introducing them to podcasts or introducing them to a certain book that they could read or listen to in English, but then it would teach them certain lessons that they could apply to become a better English learner and also become better uh, at other things that are important to them. Mm -hmm. And just amazing, you know, some students that I was teaching for for years just kind of seeing how they would transform over that time. And, and even after we ended our, our student-teacher relationship, just watching them to continue to blossom in their lives. Yeah, it must be very rewarding, right? Most definitely. So I'll turn the tables on you. How long have you been a teacher and what do you like most about teaching? Uh, before I begin, uh, could you explain that expression, I'll turn the tables on you? Yeah, that's a great question. So to turn the tables means to, uh, it's kind of what it sounds like, but... Uh, it's a lot of times doing something unexpected to the person that kind of pushes back something they did to you, to them. But I'm using it positively, obviously, in the sense to say, you know, to put you in the hot seat or to have you be the one answering the question now. Cool, cool. So, yeah, my experience in terms of years is very similar to yours. Um, I've also been teaching for um, a little over 10 years. And uh, I found it interesting that you also started teaching at 21 because I started teaching at 21 myself. You know, that's so funny. Uh, we have that in common. You know, we started at the same age, which is cool. Yeah. And I started actually by working at language schools. Yeah. So I, I come from Brazil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, here in Brazil, there are many language schools. Yeah. Basically, you know, every every corner that you walked, you know, you're going to see a, a language school. So um, I got my first job in one of those. Yeah. And then I, I started from there. But um, yeah, um, what I like most about teaching uh, it's two things, right? First, the language. I love being in touch with the language. I've always loved uh, the English language, right? But also what you said, I mean, um, doing something that helps people, you know, uh, improve themselves, improve their lives. You know, it's very satisfying, very rewarding. You know, um, since it's been so many years, I have so many like success stories of uh, former students of mine. And yeah, it's amazing. Uh, just to share one quick uh, story here. There was this one student of mine, uh, a girl, yeah? Uh, she came from a very um, poor family, you know, here in Brazil. And mm -hmm. um, 
she spoke zero English when she began studying at the school where I was working at. And I was one of her teachers. I think I taught her for about a year. Uh, but then, you know, uh, she had classes with other teachers as well, you know, that worked for the school. And then, you know, she finished the whole course with us, you know, after a couple of years. And, you know, the transformation was amazing. You know, she was uh, listening to podcasts. She was, you know, watching TED Talks. And she became a teacher herself eventually, right? Wow. <laughs> uh, so it's amazing to see these, uh, uh, this transformation that, you know, uh, helping someone learn English well can have, right, in, in the person's life. Yeah, you're totally right. That's one of the most satisfying things to see is when this person's able to take what they learned in the classes and hopefully apply it uh, in some way in their life that's really meaningful to them. And mm -hmm. certainly I've had seen students that this has happened that, you know, maybe they were able to use their English to get a better job or, like you said, to become an English teacher themselves, to go study abroad or, or even move abroad. So um, it's really cool just getting to be a part of that transformation for someone. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you look at the person and you go, yeah, I mean, I had a small contribution there. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. So maybe now people are itching to hear how they can even use their English to transform their own lives by and other people's lives by becoming an English teacher. So let's jump into today's main topic. So, Tiago, where can people get started? I mean, maybe it can definitely seem like a a really big undertaking to want to become an English teacher. Maybe you already have the skills, as we kind of said at the beginning of the mm -hmm. podcast, but then you're just not sure, you know, how do I get started? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, you have to start small. Yeah. And first you have to see if you like it, right? Because uh, it is a it is a profession, right? That is very giving, let's say, you know, uh, you are working with people all the time and you are serving people, yeah? Teaching, I, I view teaching as serving the other person, you know? So uh, I guess mm -hmm. you could start small, like, you know, you could start maybe teaching a family member, you know, that is interested in learning English, or you can start teaching a friend, yeah? Or even you could volunteer to teach English in your community, yeah? So, you know, like you did, you know, when you traveled, uh, uh, the experience that you shared with the kids and teenagers, yeah? That was your first experience, right? So, um, yeah, I would say start small. Yeah. Start with the people you already know. Uh, ask them if they will be interested in learning English with you and take it from there and see if you like um, if you like it. Right. Do you have any other tips here uh, on how the person could start, Ethan? Yeah. I mean, I, I really like what you said, too, because it doesn't require necessarily you don't have to have perfect English yourself yet. No. Um, you don't have to think like, oh, I have to be this native level speaker to start teaching. You can, maybe you're just at an intermediate level, but you're going to, mm -hmm. in this sense, maybe you're not getting paid at first, but maybe you're just helping someone who's at a beginner level who doesn't really know anything. And this is such a great way for you to experiment with it, to, as Chiago was saying, to kind of dip your toes into the water to see, is this something that I'm, that I actually enjoy that I can be passionate about? Mm -hmm. And you can kind of take it from there. And when you're first starting out, it can be really easy to be very intimidated because you don't want your student to ask you something and to not know the answer. But mm -hmm. you really need to change your perspective about that because uh, even as a native speaker, I when I was first starting out, I mean, even today, it's not like I know everything about the English language. And when I was first starting out, I knew much less than I know today. And that's okay. It's like sometimes your students might ask you something you don't know in that moment, but it's a chance for you to learn together. Just, you mm -hmm. know, you can just uh, kind of have these go-to responses in that sense, like saying, oh, that's a really interesting question. I don't know right now, but let me 
uh, take note to look that up, and then we'll talk about it in the next class. Mm-hmm. And so you can use teaching also as a way to develop your own English if you're you know, not at where you want to be yet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's actually what I did. You know, when I started at 21, my English wasn't advanced. You know, I think I I was at intermediate level at best, you know. So I still made some mistakes mm-hmm. here and there. You know, my English wasn't perfect. Yeah. Uh, but I, I started teaching beginners. Yeah. So you don't have to wait to have like super advanced English in order to start helping people and teaching people. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that there's someone who will benefit from the knowledge you already have. Right. Uh, by the way, Ethan, you, you I think you use a nice expression there to dip your toes underwater. Is that correct? In the water. Yeah. In the water. It's like it's like when you go swimming or maybe you go to the beach or something like that and you're kind of hot. You know, you're thinking about going for a swim, but you're not maybe completely convinced you're going to go dip your toes in the water to see, you know, how's the temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same thing. It's giving kind of like a, getting a taste of something, getting a first experience to see, mm-hmm. can I plunge myself? Can I jump all the way into the water? <laughs> Which would be having the full experience of teaching or something like that. Yeah, that's a cool expression. And still on this point, fi- uh, I would mention one last thing. Um, depending on where you live, uh, you could start already by working for a language school. Yeah, that's what I did here in Brazil. Like I said, uh, there are many language schools here. So since there are many, you know, you can find some that are not so strict, you know, in terms of uh, qualifications or requirements that you need to have, you know. So um, I that's what I did. You know, I got a job at a language school back then that didn't require a lot of certification or, you know, degrees or anything like that. Uh, they just wanted to see if I spoke, you know, enough English to be able to teach a class mm-hmm. of beginners. That's all, you know. And then, you yeah. know, you start from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really great point. Uh, and you don't have to be a native, of course, either to to become a teacher. And I think you're a really great example because I think you kind of um, leveraged the fact that you were teaching to advance your own English. So it's, you know, start out with beginners, but then from there, as you were teaching, as you were gaining more knowledge yourself about teaching and about the, the language, that you were able to then maybe get to intermediate students. And I, and I believe, too, that, you know, you you got to better, better schools and you were able to even, like, leverage the fact that you were in a school that was teaching different courses to like study mm-hmm. for the C1 and C2 exam eventually, right? And then even teach English for those exams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was something gradual, yeah. So I loved the language so much that I wanted to be in touch with it all the time, yeah. I wanted to work with something that would allow me to use English every day. And then I found teaching mm. and, you know, I fell in love with it right away. And yeah, my English got so, so much better over the years because I became a teacher, you know. Because, you know, when you teach, you got to find different ways to explain things. You got to think of different examples to illustrate something. So you are helping your students, but you are also helping yourself. You know, you are developing your own English in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a win-win situation. Most definitely. So this would bring us to the second point, which I think you hinted at already. But the next question a lot of people might ask themselves is like, do I need to get a certification? Do I need to take the, the TEFL or the TESOL or one of these other um, common English teaching exams? Yeah, I would say definitely not to get started. You know, you don't need uh, a proficiency certificate or a teaching certificate to get started. You know, I think the most important thing when you start uh, is cultivating a genuine passion for the language. You know, you got to like the language yourself. You got to like studying uh, English and also cultivating a genuine desire to help people. 
Yeah. So, you know, if you cultivate that attitude, uh, you can get started already. You know, you can bring in this enthusiasm, this energy, right, to keep learning and to help your students learn, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, if you are serious about maybe a this career path, right, of becoming an English teacher, then down the road, eventually, it is beneficial for you to consider a proficiency certification, even a teaching uh, qualification of some sort, because, you know, uh, if you are serious about a career, if it's something that you want for the rest of your life, it makes sense for you to always be developing yourself as a professional in that area, right? Mm -hmm. And I loved an expression you used there. You said down the road. What does it mean when we say down the road? Yeah, we use it to mean like yeah, in the future, you know, like, uh, yeah, down the road is like, you know, you don't have to have a certification now when you begin, but in the future, yeah, as you progress or down the road, if you are serious about it, you know, it's a good idea to go for one of those certificates. Yeah. And I think the great thing there uh, is that you're getting some experience already in it. So when you study for one of these certificates, you'll have a lot more context by which to understand it and to find it more interesting. You've already had some classroom experience, so you'll be better able to interpret the different concepts. Whereas, I don't know, when I studied for the, the TEFL and I didn't have that very much experience other than some informal tutoring that I had done, mm -hmm. it, it was like really quite dry and boring, but I'm sure after having <laughs> more experience and stuff, I, I, it would have made more sense to me. I would have been able to better wrap my head around it. Mm -hmm. By the way, Ethan, where did you take your TEFL certificate? It was online. <laughs> so, I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's also one of the great things is like you don't, even if you're in a small town, for example, and you don't have any English teaching schools, there's a lot of certificates nowadays. Mm -hmm. I mean, and also this was 10 years ago that you can take online. Cool. Yeah, it's so much more convenient. Everything nowadays, right? And that was 10 mm -hmm. years ago, right? Amazing. Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so... We're going to take a quick break from our conversation before we get to our final point today to play a Would You Rather. So, Ethan, uh, here's the question. Would you rather have a free on-site professional masseur or have a free on-site professional chef? That is a very good question. Uh, First, I'll ask, what's a masseur and what's a chef? So, a masseur is a professional who gives people massages, right? Like Phoebe uh, in Friends, right? Yeah. And I believe it's actually uh, masseuse is for women and masseuse yeah. for men, if I'm not mixing those up. So Phoebe would be a masseuse. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a male would be masseur, right? Masseur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a chef, well, you know, is a person who is, you know, uh, very, uh, very good at cooking meals and different dishes, right? Yeah, it's like a professional cook. Uh, that's something actually I, a lot of people I notice will mix up is like, when do you use cook? When do you use cooker? And when do you use chef? And mm. chef, that's actually like Monica and friends. So we can go back to friends. She's a professional chef. Uh, a cook, though, could be like anyone who cooks. Like you don't necessarily need to be a, a professional. Mm -hmm. And a cooker would be like a like a rice cooker, like a machine that mm -hmm. cooks. So uh Hopefully that helps with some common confusion. But anyway, getting back to the would you rather, um, I definitely would enjoy having a, you know on-site professional masseuse or masseur. But for pragmatism, I think I'd rather have a professional chef because it would just save me time from ever having to cook. And mm. hopefully, if it's if it's a good chef, then I'd also be eating like you know more delicious, healthy meals. So I would go definitely more for the the practicality. And when I really want to. A massage, I can go go to a professional somewhere. 
How about you? Would you rather have a masseur or a chef? Yeah, me too. I, I will go for the chef, right? Uh, as wonderful as having a masseur or masseuse, you know, you know, to give you massages, right? I would go mm-hmm. for the the chef. Yeah, and for the it's because of the pragmatism. Yeah, I mean uh, the practicality of it, you know, and not having to worry about uh, what, what what I'm gonna eat that day. You know, it, right. it's uh, it's very helpful. Yeah, yeah, and it means too, like when you ha- like having a family and everything. It means. You know, hopefully you can spend less time cooking and more time with your family. Whereas if you're getting a massage, it'd be, um, I suppose, more of a selfish indulgence. Mm-hmm. True. So if you head over, dear listener, to our Instagram at reallife.english, we want to hear from you. Would you rather have a free on-site masseur or chef? So you can check out our latest story and let us know there. Just a quick interruption to ask you a question. Do you ever feel frustrated when you are listening to a podcast, watching a TV series, or you are in a conversation in English and you do not understand what is said? Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to understand real English without getting lost and without getting bored? Well, now there is. With our Real Life Native Immersion course, we will take you on a 41-week real-life adventure of the English language, each week exploring a different topic connected to our goal to help you understand and use your English in the real world. Just imagine understanding your favorite TV series without subtitles, or confidently speaking with someone and comprehending everything they say. You can do it, and we're here to help. And the best part is, you can try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod to sign up. That's P-O-D. Or simply click the link in the description of this episode. Going to move on to our final point, question that people often ask when they're considering whether to get into teaching. And... That is, how do you get your first students? Yeah, I mean, like we said in the beginning, right, Ethan? You can start small, you know? Start looking at your social circle, you know? Uh, And, you know, start looking for opportunities uh, to teach the language. Especially if you live in a a country where uh, English is not uh, the first language, like in my case in Brazil, yeah? Um, You know, the last time I checked, I think 95% of Brazilians don't speak English, you know, only 5% of the Mm. population actually speaks some English, you know, but out of this 5%, only 1% is actually fluent, right? So, you know, in in a country such as Brazil, for example, there are tons of opportunity for you to be uh, a teacher. You know, you can teach in schools, you can teach privately, you can do so many things. So I guarantee that if you walk around the corner and you ask someone, hey, do you want to learn English? I mean, the person's going to go, oh, yeah, I mean... uh, yeah, that's that's cool. I need it, <laughs> right? It's very easy. Yeah. So uh, start looking for opportunities in your own country. Yeah, to teach people. Yeah, I think that's that's really great advice. Uh, we talked about schools before that that you could go to a school. Uh, maybe you find some that are less strict with the certifications if you don't have a certification yet. I think that can be good because each school kind of have like its method and stuff. So it gives you maybe some good structure to start from, mm-hmm. um, even if. Eventually, your you know your beliefs around teaching. You're you're going to probably develop your own methods and things like this. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it can be really nice to get your own private students. And this is also economically, you tend to get better paid better uh, than when you know you have the middleman of a school. And uh, and one of the really nice things there too is you kind of pick who your students are. You can you can you know 
choose who you want to teach. So um, I at least really appreciated that because when I was teaching at a school, oftentimes I'd be teaching whoever they gave me in the classroom. It's like, maybe you're having to teach a class of teenagers in general. Teenagers are there because their parents are telling them to go there, not because they're motivated to learn the language. So as a teacher, that requires a lot of you because you have to figure out ways to, to motivate them. So once you get to that point, it can be quite advantageous maybe to have some private students. A mm-hmm. uh, great way to do this nowadays too is there's so many websites like uh, Italki, for example, or Cambly. Um, and depending, some websites are will only hire natives, um, which isn't particularly fair. But there are a lot of websites like Italki that even if you don't have a certification, I believe you can still become a tutor. Uh, and you probably won't make as much as a certified teacher will, but it still gives you opportunities to, to connect with learners and uh, get some experience teaching and whatnot. And when I first moved here to Barcelona, I had to kind of like get all of my own students. And I used a website here that was for, um, you know, for finding private teachers of like anything Mm -hmm. and they had like different categories. So I put an ad there, but I also like created um, a flyer, like a a piece of paper that, you know, said like English classes and got them printed out and like did those cutouts. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's common in every country, but where you have like your number at the bottom a bunch of times and you like cut it so people can rip them off. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I did that. I don't know if that actually brought me any, but one of the great things is I got a few students and your students tend to know other people who want to know who want to learn English. So, if you're passionate about teaching and if you do a good job with it and everything, the great thing is, at some point, you no longer have to look for students anymore. You can just um, you'll, you're just through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Your students are going to tell their friends and their family what a great teacher they have, and then you know they're going to come ask you for for classes. And eventually, you can really just say like keep the students that you really uh, enjoy teaching and Mm -hmm. maybe let go of the ones that you're um, having more difficulty with or whatever the case is for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. A word of mouth can be so powerful, right? By the way, what does that mean, Mm -hmm. word of mouth? That's a great question. So word of mouth, it means that uh, rather than having to do some sort of like direct advertising, you're gaining attention or you're gaining customers from your customers telling other people about it. So that's word of mouth when people find out about you because other people tell them about you. And this is a really great example of connected speech because uh, usually you would probably hear people say word of mouth. You would reduce the of to just a schwa, uh, mm-hmm. and it connects word and mouth together, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Cool, word of, right? Word of mouth. Word of, nice. exactly. Cool. And you can also use social media, right? I mean, nowadays we have Instagram and Facebook, right? I mean. Uh, Start, you know, uh, letting your followers, your contacts know that you are teaching English, you are offering classes. And like you said, like mm-hmm. Ethan said, right, um, if maybe a person is not interested, the person for sure knows someone who is interested and can refer that person to you, right? So yeah, just, you know, getting the word out there. Yeah, start telling people that you are teaching or offering classes. And, you know, uh, it's actually not that difficult to find your first students. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about social media too, because pick your channel of choice, be it Instagram, be it TikTok, be it YouTube, and just get some practice to teaching by creating videos or creating content for learners. And eventually people are going to find you. Uh, and you know, this is a great way for you to, maybe there's something that you're really curious about learning about. Maybe you struggle with the conditionals. So you can, you're going to go study the conditionals, but maybe you can also create a piece of content on that and then you share it with your followers. And by doing this, if you're creating 
you're kind of pouring your heart into this, mm-hmm. then, you know, people are going to find it. They're going to like it. They're going to follow you. And, and like Tiago said, uh, maybe they need classes or maybe they, someone's going to ask them, do you know any English teachers? And they'll, they'll refer them to you. So mm-hmm. this is, uh, it's obviously work and everything, but it can lead to you having a very profitable business. Um, and eventually even you might not even need to teach anymore. You could be like us, like just creating content for learners. Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, uh, you used another nice word there, profitable. What is a profitable business? Profitable. <laughs> profitable means it makes profit, which in other words means that it makes money. It makes more money than it spends. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And uh, I just wanted to go back a little bit, Ethan, to the second point that we were talking about, about certifications, right? And getting certificates. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I forgot to mention is that Eventually down the road, yes, if you are serious about teaching, it's a good idea for you to consider taking a proficiency exam, not for the certification itself, I would say, but for the process. You know, you learn so Mm. much going through the process, you know, of, you know, preparing for an exam such as IELTS, for example, or for a C1 or C2 Cambridge exam, you know, uh, it's not the certification per se, but going through the process, you know, of deliberately studying for that exam will improve your English tremendously, you know. Uh, We here at Real Life are big defenders or proponents, right, of deliberate practice, especially when you are at intermediate level, yeah, for you to get to a more advanced level. So this is a perfect way, actually, for you to get more deliberate practice because it's something structured, yeah, you you have a clear goal, yeah, which is, you know, getting the the certification, right? And, you know, you spend a few months or uh, maybe a year, you know, doing this, right? You will see how much your English will improve by the end of the process. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I used to be very anti-proficiency exams <laughs> because um, I think standardizing, standardized testing isn't, it's advantageous to some people and, and other people have more difficulty showing their skill level uh, through that type of testing. But that said, I went through uh, one of these processes myself studying for the C1 exam in Catalan. And the thing that was very positive for me was, first of all, actually having like signed up for it, you have to pay to, to sign up for the exam and everything and having a date that, okay, I have to be at this level by this date. And from that, kind of creating your study plan, this, this forces you to develop habits, to develop a routine uh, of deliberate practice with the language. And if you get a good teacher... It's really great too because you know they've been with a lot of students through the process of preparing for this exam, so they know like what to point you to. They can give you different resources. Uh, they can help you to iron out your mistakes to mm-hmm. correct your the common mistakes that you're making. Um, and so having that structure can be really useful, especially if you already have a good base in the language. Because I found for me, I had never actually studied the grammar or anything of Katsala. I just learned it, you know, by speaking and listening to things, consuming content. Mm-hmm. Um, and having then the the structure of like learning the grammar and everything was really interesting because it was explaining things that I already sort of knew, but I didn't know why, you know, why do you speak this way or why do you, um, yeah, do these different kinds of like conjugations or uh, these different elements of the language. So I think I found it extremely useful for that, just having mm-hmm. having a goal in mind, having the structure, especially if you can get a teacher, uh, this all really helps. And if you are planning and teaching yourself, it's useful because, okay, if you've studied for the C1 or the C2 or IELTS, then you're going to really learn like the process, what the exam's like, you've been mm-hmm. under that pressure and you can help other people prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, that's, so, that's very true. So 
I think all really good information, good tidbits, good tips for the listener. Uh, did you have any final comments on this topic, Thiago, before we wrap up? No, I just want to say that, you know, um, if you are interested in becoming a teacher, I think it's a wonderful career path. I love it, right? Uh, I've been doing it for many years now, just like Ethan. And, you know, if you really go for it, I, I think that you're going to enjoy it as well. Most definitely. And even if you're an English speaker, you're listening to this and maybe you want to try out teaching, but you're not so sure if it's right for you, or maybe you're not sure exactly what you want to do. Maybe you're trying to choose a career path right now. We created a lesson that talks about 10 different possible jobs you can get when you're an English speaker. So we'll link that in the show notes over at reallifeglobal.com for you to check out and get even more ideas. So that said, thanks so much for joining us on the Real Life English Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next week. One, two, three. Oh yeah. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Then I have a couple great recommendations for you. First of all, check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Second, if you like our podcast, then our real-life native immersion course is perfect for you. It is the next best thing to studying abroad in an English-speaking country. Try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod to sign up. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.